Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Rundown, where we talk about 2A news and conservative views. I will be your host today, Craig Deleuze, coming at you from the West Coast, the left coast behind the iron curtain otherwise known as the sierras and today i will be doing this program all by my lonesome that's right uh mikey who is uh out doing his thing uh well let's just let's just put it this way he is up on a repelling tower somewhere doing his military thing so i'm uh i'm gonna let him do his thing and uh well we're gonna hang out and we're gonna do our thing and you know what that thing is today right that's right, it's that special day, Taco Tuesday. It's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos. It's raining tacos. Out in the street, tacos. All you can eat, lettuce and shells. I don't know what it is about that song. It just cheers me up every Tuesday. It just, it, you know, it really, it really makes my day. And uh, and I usually have pretty good Tuesdays. So, uh, so that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. I I myself for Taco Tuesday, uh, we decided to have some uh, some chicken flour tacos with a green salsa that was just phenomenal. My uh, my daughter happened to make them. Uh, very, very much enjoyed them. Uh, that's what I, that's basically that's what I had for lunch today. So, uh, you know, we like celebrating taco Tuesday because you know what? It, I can't think of many foods that are more American than tacos because it represents, you know, the whole melting pot and yeah, yeah. Diverse American culture. Cause I realized that half the things we eat that we call tacos really are not like, you know, of Mexico, but nonetheless, they are delicious and sometimes nutritious <laughs> all righty uh let's before we get started into today before we get going into today's program let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to our sponsors we're going to start with hitman industries you can find them at hitmanindustries.net uh if you've purchased an ar uh lately in the last few years chances are you already have one of their barrels but why not get more of their barrels well, if you're looking to rebarrel a, a current firearm or you're looking to uh, uh or you're looking to do a new build uh, go to hitmanindustries.net and get your rifle and pistol caliber barrels today. It is the place to go. Also, California Republican Assembly are working to elect conservatives from uh, school board all the way up to uh, President of the United States. Anyway, Ronald Reagan once referred to them as the conscience of the Republican Party. Become a part of California's future today. Visit them at cragop.org. By the way, if you're in California, they got a their their state convention. It's going to be coming up here in April, so keep a word, keep your ears out, and uh, we'd love to have you come on out, come out and say hello, because I will be there. Also, we've got Hog Holsters. You can find them at HogHolsters.com. Helping America wear guns, and they're helping you by giving you a discount. All you got to do is use discount code the rundown, all caps, no spaces. All caps, no spaces. Get your hog holster today. Finally, veteran-owned and operated. If you are looking for tactical gear, outdoor gear, if you're here in the Sacramento or Northern California region, it is wet and cold out, and I am sure that you can find what you need to stay warm and dry at uscombatgear.com. 
integrity, great prices, fast shipping. YesUSComebackGear.com. Check them out today. Today. Matter of fact, no, not right now. Don't do it right now. After the show. Wait till the program's over. Then go check them out. All right. So let's start with the first story of the day. Uh, I am sure that many of you, all of us, have been following what's been going on with, uh, uh, with uh, what's her face, with us, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. If you haven't, well, it's a big story, folks. Let me just tell you. So Silicon Valley Bank is a bank that was located or based uh, in, well, in the Silicon Valley. It's based in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. And well, let's put it this way. They have been shut down. And there's a lot of speculation as to what's been going on, as to to what happened, how did they get shut down, what's the point behind it. Uh, And what I wanted to do today was I wanted to take just a few minutes to kind of talk a little bit about what happened and, and what people are reporting that happened. So some of it just has to do with helping you get a little bit of understanding of who Silicon Valley Bank is. Uh, when Silicon Valley Bank started, it was in the the, the early 80s. It was like 1983. Uh, and they were a bank uh, of, as as the tech, as technology companies started to come out, this was in the early 90s, the whole dot-com boom. Uh, there was a need for capitalization or people to loan money to a lot of these companies in the Silicon Valley that were, that were, that were startups. And uh, Silicon Valley Bank was one of the banks that was founded with that very purpose. Now, one of the requirements that they had there, uh, there was this, they loaned out money and it was a part of their portfolio. It wasn't all of their portfolio, but it was part of the their portfolio. And so what they would do is they would require you, if you borrowed money from them, you had to deposit money with them. So they would deposit money and then they would then loan that money out or that money would be invested, Right. Now, part of that money would be in would be in terms of loans to some of those very same companies that uh, that that were there in Silicon Valley, but a lot of what they invested in was treasury bonds, right? I mean, I when I studied finance, I learned that treasury bonds was always a safe it's a safe tax free investment. It's a great way to protect your money, right? It's a pretty good investment if you can afford to hold on to the assets. Now, banks, well. Believe it or not, when you put your money in a bank, most of that money doesn't stay in the bank. Most of that money winds up getting either it's it's used to go in, it's used to purchase assets, which are going to then turn around and make money. They're using your money to leverage investments. Some of those investments are, you know, in like I said, loans in in uh, in uh, some of these larger some of these uh, tech companies. Uh, tend, can be sometimes be a little bit riskier, but you know they're secured. But anyway, there's that. But then some of it is just okay. We need to try and make sure we keep up with inflation. We got to earn something on some of this money, get some sort of return, and so they'll invest it in treasury bonds, which you know, municipal bonds. Those are bonds that get relatively low returns. Well, bonds, the the rate of return, how you determine the value of a bond, is largely based on what the interest rate is, right? What were the interest rates when you purchased the bonds? Well, you might have noticed that uh, interest rates were relatively low for a long time and kept going down, 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 and down. And so you had this bank that was invested in a lot of these low uh, interest bonds. uh, And so that's, you know, once again, they're thinking they're doing this because it's a safe place to put your money. Except if you have, if you wind up having to sell that asset and interest rates have gone up as we know as has been reported 
because of record-setting inflation caused in no small part by President Joe Biden's policies and Democrat policies and big, huge spending that has taken place, some of which Republicans have supported as well. But all the money that has been infused in the economy pushed up interest rates or pushed up inflation, which caused the Fed to raise interest rates in order to try to slow the economy down. Well, once you raise the interest rates, that means that now bonds that are selling now, say, for example, at 6%, well, they're worth more than bonds that maybe were sold three, four years ago that maybe, I don't know, are earning only 2 to 3%, right? So, now that's fine because the people who bought the bonds or at least the, you know, you're still getting the same rate of return. The rate of return on your bonds don't go down. But what happens if you wind up having to sell those bonds, right? In other words, a, only a percentage of the money, like I, I, I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but let's say it's 5 10% of the money that you put into the bank actually stays there in the bank. Well, what happens if double that people want to get their money back? What if there's a quote-unquote run on the bank? And that's exactly what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. A lot of people heard some concerns about what was going on with the interest rates and and uh, what you know, and they decided, you know what? I need to go get my money out. That's what they did, and so it got to a point where they needed to sell off assets in order. Silicon Valley Bank needed to sell off assets in order to get the money to pay out to pay out uh, the, the 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 people who own the people who had accounts. Well, that meant when you can't earn any money off of these things, you wind up. That means you wind up having to sell them at a discount. And they sold them at a huge discount. And so they basically did not have enough money. They couldn't generate enough money from the sale of those bonds, of, of those assets, in order to be able to pay investors back. And guess what? It became a vicious cycle because people kept wanting, more people wanted their money back because they're afraid they're going to get left holding uh, with an account that doesn't have any money. And so that's basically what happened. Now, the reason why it's important is, number one, a lot of people talk about, oh, well, they had a bunch of money invested in Bitcoin. I'm not saying that Bitcoin had nothing to do with it. I'm not saying that they didn't have a part of their of their money invested there, but to a certain degree, there, there there's a little bit of that. There's also the money that was invested in tech companies uh, because you know there was so much money that was out there, so much money flowing in, and we know that the big boom, a lot of that money went into tech companies. Well, now all of a sudden, those tech companies were burning through cash, and so they needed to get some of their money out. So that also was part of it. But in the end, what it comes down to was the company, the, the, the investors, the people who should have been paying attention should have been a while ago trying to sell bonds and get rid of some of those bonds, even though it wouldn't have been as discounted as even though it still would have probably been discounted a, two, a year and a half, two years ago. It wouldn't have been as greatly discounted as it is now as it is right now. In other words, you wouldn't have had the concerns because what they should have been doing was investing in uh, some higher yield bonds, right? That's what they should have been doing. Still safe, still municipal bonds, but at least ones that are going to be getting them a higher rate of return. Uh, so that way, if they did need to turn around and sell them, they could actually sell those assets. They should have been seeking investors earlier. Anyway, there's a bunch of stuff that they could have been doing that they just flat out weren't doing. But now, the reason why I point this out is because they're not the only bank that is in this situation. This is the second largest failure of a bank in world in in, in history, right? Second largest since the since the Great Depression. 
But the third largest event happened as well, and that was Signature Bank. On Friday, uh, they went insolvent. So there are a number of banks that could be in this potential situation, a number of regional banks that could be in this, have the same sort of situation. Now, this is a, this is a short-term issue, right? It's short-term in that, you know, eventually, if they don't have to sell the bonds, in other words, if you don't want your money back right now, then it's not a problem. If everybody doesn't want their money back right now, then you're okay. Because like I said, eventually the rate of return that they anticipate on those those bonds are going to get. It's only if everybody or a huge chunk of people want their money right now. And that's why you've got President Biden out there talking about how solvent the banks are and how great the banks are. And there's no problem. There's no issues. There's no concerns. Because if there's problems, if there's issues, if there are concerns, well, then guess what? That means there could be a run on the banks, and this problem could happen at even more institutions. So there you go. That is that. That kind of I hope that explains it. If you got any questions, drop it in, drop it in the chat. Uh, but that was something, and I, and I gotta be honest with you, like I said, I studied uh, financial services and investments in college, and I didn't even think about that. I would, you know, we were always told. Yeah, that's a safe investment. That municipal bonds or treasury bonds are always a safe investment because they're, you know, the government's not going to go out of business, and if they do, you're probably going to have bigger, bigger issues to deal with uh, than that. But yeah, the idea of valuation and leveraging, and that's really, whenever you get into the holding of assets, it's that leveraging that always causes you problems. When, you know. You might have to, it's, it's a liquidity thing, meaning you might, when you have to get your money out of that investment. That's why most investments that are assets, you should always be, stop focusing on the quick buck and the quick turnaround, like people like flipping houses and stuff like that. If you can't afford to hold an asset for the long term, then it's kind of like playing musical chairs. And uh, you don't want to be the one stuck uh, without a chair when the music stops playing. Uh, that is, even though it's not illegal like a Ponzi scheme, it's the same risk that you take when you're dealing with a Ponzi scheme. So <clears throat> I'm going to say that you're probably, excuse me, I'm sorry for coughing in your ears, you guys. Um, you're probably going to see a lot of folks uh, that are going to be calling for some regulatory reforms uh, in order to try and prevent this from happening again, because that's what we do. We always pass regulations uh, that would prevent the last thing, uh, the last crisis from happening. Cause you know, we're just, I don't know. We're just bright like that. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to our next story. I talked to you yesterday about the woke device there at Stanford university where they, uh, basically they decided they were going to the federalist society invited a speaker to come and the speaker was going to talk about, uh, a number of different uh, really key cases that are going for the Supreme Court uh, that came through the Fifth Circuit. They were going to be talking about social media and, tw- and, and Google and Twitter. They were going to be talking about uh, COVID. Uh, and uh, I think it was one other topic. But anyway, uh, needless to say, he was heckled. Uh, and then they decided to have the dean who, the dean who was there uh, was the Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, decided to get up and lecture uh, the speaker uh, as to why he was so bad and why what he was, why not what he was saying, because she didn't even bother to give him an opportunity to say anything. He didn't even say anything, just that his rulings, 
some of his rulings and the positions that he had taken were 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 offensive. Now, mind you, she made no legal argument at a law school. Federalist Society event, law school students talking law. None of that. There was no legal argument at all. She just proceeded to chide him as to how what he was saying was so offensive to the people who were there. Anyway, uh, the dean of the law school uh, apologized to sent a, sent a letter apologizing to uh, sent a letter apologizing to uh, to the speaker. Uh, by the way, the, the speaker's name it was Judge Kyle Duncan. Uh, he is an appellate judge in the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. In any case, Jenny Martinez, who was the uh, who was the dean who uh, sent the letter of apology, uh, well, she was besieged by students. And here I'll read it here. It says hundreds of Stanford student activists on Monday lined the hallways to protest the law school's dean, Jenny Martinez, for apologizing to Fifth Circuit appellate judge Kyle Duncan, whom the activist shouted down last week. The embattled dean arrived to the classroom where she teaches constitutional law to find a whiteboard covered inch to inch in flyers attacking Duncan and defending those who disrupted him. According to photos of the room and multiple eyewitness accounts, the flyers parroted the argument made made by student activists that the heckler's veto is a form of free speech. It says here, we students in your constitutional law class are sorry for exercising our First Amendment rights. Some flyers read, as a private school, Stanford is not bound by the First Amendment, though California state law does apply to some First Amendment protections to private universities. And here's a, here are some pictures of the, uh, the things that were the counter speech is free speech. We have free speech rights. Where is his apology? Now, mind you, let's be clear. Um, he was invited to come speak. He hadn't said, I don't think, two words before they started interrupting him. He has no need for an apology. He did nothing inappropriate. He went there to discuss law cases. They were angry over decisions that had nothing to do with anything that he was there to discuss. To discuss. Now, their, their argument is that the heckler's veto, and by the way, the heckler's veto is when you make it impossible for someone to be able to speak by yelling, screaming, making, interrupting their ability to, to do a presentation. Number one, uh, none of those students there were part of the organization that invited him. So you have absolutely no right to interrupt. Number one. Number two, Stanford University is a private institution, and therefore they have a right to, and once again, if he is invited, they have a right to tell you, you don't have any free speech right. If he doesn't have a free speech right to speak, you don't have a free speech right to interrupt him. He is there invited. He was invited by the group and by the university, not the hecklers. So you have a choice to exercise your right to get up off your rear end and leave if you don't like what he has to say. But the funny part was, you didn't even wait to hear what he had to say. See, 
The reason why the dean wanted to wanted to apologize is because number one, all the stuff that you guys were angry about that they were angry about, he wasn't there to talk about any of that. If you wanted to invite him to talk about that, which I know you don't because you weren't really interested in actually talking about the law, which I'm assuming you do at law schools, you talk about the law, the law, that's what you're there to talk about. No, instead you want to shout him down, you want to call him racist, uh, you want to call him out of his name, you want to threaten him. Because you really don't have anything substantive to argue. And we know this. Because that's what you little Maoist socialists do. And that's what they are. But this is, by the way, folks, is a tactic of, of the, it is what the Maoist communist, Ma, communist manifesto reading, spotted owl, tongue kissing druids uh, like to argue. It's, this is how they like to argue because they can't actually win an argument based on the merits and the law, based on logic and critical thinking. Oh, that's right. Logic and critical thinking is an example of white supremacy. So we can't be logical and we can't think because, well, then that would, uh, you know, that would then be white supremacy, and uh, it would greatly impact uh, their, their 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 proximity to whiteness. That's the reason why they don't want. That's the reason why they don't want him to actually be able to speak or talk on anything, because they can't win the argument. So anyway, so I'm assuming, in my opinion, these if any of these students who posted this stuff, who are sharing this stuff, if any of them are law students. Yeah, they should get kicked out of law school because they are not they are not qualified and never will be intellectually qualified to be able to be a lawyer. I'm sorry, or to argue the law. Never never ever because they have they've dis, they've demonstrated a specific uh contempt for the law and for our constitution and therefore should not be anywhere near the practice of law uh, in these United States. I don't know. Not saying, just saying. Okay, and talk about the use of the law. And, you know, one of the interesting things about lawyers is, is they can learn, they can find a way to pervert just about anything uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to use of the law uh, in order to keep, uh, in order to keep things from, keep, in order to keep us from our rights. And uh, this next one has to do with an argument that is being made uh, by a number of attorneys uh, Specifically around the idea of using public nuisance laws, right? In other words, they want to use public nuisance laws in order to keep people from being able to exercise their right to keep and bear arms in order to be able to ban guns. Hold on, I just realized I realized I didn't set up the slider, so I'm gonna I'm gonna set, find the slide, the article here for you right now. Public oh, there we go, bam. Okay. There it is. All right. So here's the story. And this is a Fox News story. And they're talking about how progressive lawyers are using public nuisance laws to outlaw guns. And we're going to shut down. The, <laughs> we'll shut down the audio from that story. Apologize about that. Uh, but this was no. So there was a uh, an article. This was a, a, a thing that was sent out to Republican governors. It was by the Alliance for Consumers and is a nonprofit aimed at uh, ensuring consumer protection efforts, class action lawsuits, and attorney general enforcement 
actions benefit consumers. And, and what, what, the, what they're pointing out here is this, is that because, uh, because a number of laws are being, uh, because they're, they're having a very difficult time uh, instituting gun control at, the, at the, both the federal level and now it's starting to happen at the state level, uh, they're realizing that the way in which they have an opportunity to institute some of this stuff is through lawsuits. Now, we're not necessarily talking about judicial decisions, right? We're not talking about cases where someone gets uh, some municipality gets sued uh, and they wind up taking to wind up they wind up taking it to court and they wind up winning. But what usually wind up happening is these municipalities will settle out of court. And when they settle out of court, they'll wind up putting in place uh, restrictions on fundamental rights over things like, on a bunch of different things, whether it's environmental issues, but in this case in particular, when it comes to guns. And it's a way in which for these folks, for these bureaucrats to find a way to put things in place without actually having to pass a law, right? A great example when it comes to criminal justice is the lawsuits in California relating to prisoners. They're like, oh, they have prisoner overcrowding. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and we're going to, uh, we're going to sue for the rights of prisoners. And then the state is going to settle out of court. And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to start releasing prisoners. We're going to start downsizing our prisons. We've already, we've already closed four prisons in California. And I know they're looking to, to close uh, several more. And none of these, by the way, were the result of laws that were passed. It's all done by fiat, uh, by the governor. Uh, it started with, uh, it started with Jerry Brown, and now we have Gavin Mussolini, uh, who is who is doubling down on this process. But they're doing it. and They're saying, well, it's because we got sued. Well, once again, these companies, these these organizations are doing these lawsuits in order to affect these pot, these regulations. Once again, put in place by bureaucrats. Uh, who have an ulterior motive, and that is, you know, in one case, decriminalizing crime, but also when it comes to guns, when it comes to taking away our fundamental right to keep and bear arms. They're going to do things like restricting gun stores to certain areas. They're going to institute things like limits on what firearms and when you can purchase them. Uh, they're going to they're uh, institute uh, additional requirements for background checks. All of these things are all going to be done by a fiat, but are all going to be done by regulations, as opposed to, as a result of lawsuits, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to use the lawsuits as the rationale for passing the regulations. And that's what they're pointing out here. And there's, this is, once again, this is a warning to Republican governors who are, who are, you know, putting laws in place that further expand the rights of individuals to keep and bear arms. Uh, we've had some laws passed that have uh, eliminated restrictions on uh, those under the age of 21 to purchase long guns. We've seen uh, things put in place that will allow individuals under the age of 21 to be able to carry firearms. Uh, we've seen things put in place that have limited, uh, that have, 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 have opened the door uh, for individuals to be able to carry firearms, to be able to carry a firearm without having to get a permit or called permitless carry. Uh, these are all things that, once again, they're saying are going to be challenged via public nuisance laws. So watch out for that. Watch out, y'all. If you are in a city, if you are in a state, if you are in a county uh, that, uh, that that represents or believes in gun rights, uh, the chances are those rights are, are going to be under attack uh, by lawsuit. 
And now we're on to PETA, to the White House. Don't use real eggs in the, uh, in the Easter egg hunt. Uh, in the know is the section here from the Hill. And uh, PETA, because they really have nothing better to do with their lives, uh, reached out and wrote a letter to the White House. And in this letter, they pretty much told them, yeah, don't you use uh, don't use real eggs anymore in your in your uh, uh, in your Easter egg hunt. It says, "We hope you'll agree we'll, the, the, that while families are shelling out nearly seventy percent more for eggs amid the deadliest avian flu outbreak on record, now is a ho- is a hopping good time to hatch an Easter tradition that is kind and doesn't prop up the cruel egg industry." Because we all know with all of the things that are going on in this world, the cruel egg industry are the ones that we need to be worried about, right? Right? The cruel egg industry? No. Bueller? Bueller? Is there really a cruel egg industry out there? I didn't really think there was, but I guess there is. Anyway, I know you guys probably thought that was a parting shot because it was kind of hilarious. But, PETA, what are you going to do? The height of uh, what about stupidity. There you go. The height of stupidity. Anyway, we're going to move on to today's parting shots. That brought to you by Hog Holsters. Helping America wear guns. You can find them at hogholsters.com. Get your discount today by using the rundown. Discount code, the rundown, all caps. No spaces. Absolutely no spaces. And uh, get your discount, Hog Holster, today. All right, this first one. I actually created this meme myself. Uh, after all of the hubbub about the Oscars, even though not really a lot of hubbub because a lot of people didn't watch it. I didn't bother to watch it. But I did take some time to see who won. And I noticed that there was one winner uh, that was not listed and quite frankly should have been listed. And that was Best Political Fiction. And the winner is the January 6th Committee. <laughs> That's who should have won that one. No? No, you guys don't think so? Okay. The worst political fiction because it was so easily debunked by a few simple videos. Hmm. Hmm. But that then also then leads me to our next uh, our next parting shot. Uh, this one is all text and it basically reads: The January sixth committee held a year and a half of hearings, wasted millions of dollars, demonized the January sixth political prisoners, slandered President Trump daily. Yet they never bothered to watch one minute of video. It's, it feels good to watch their house of cards fall. Thanks, Tucker. So I guess the, the, only, the, only, uh, the only thing I would say about that in this particular case is uh, I'm sure they watched a minute or two, but it was a highly edited minute because, as you know, they, they did bring in someone to produce uh, to produce the TV show. And it was a TV show. It was a docu-series. It was a fictional docu-series uh, that was done in order to, uh, once again, with the goal of taking down the President of the United States. Uh, uh, anyway, and keeping him from being able to run for President in the future. Anyway, in this last one here, I wanted to go ahead and share. Uh, so this is the new, anal- new news analysis. Greta Thunberg deletes 2018 tweet after saying the world will end in 2023 after the world does not end. (laughs) Her her tweet here, it says a a top climate scientist is warning 
that climate change will wipe out all humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. That was the 2018 post. <laughs> oh, you got to love this stuff. What gets me is, is that these folks do not even understand how outrageous they sound. I mean, I wish we could go back and, and fact, I wish people could go back, I wish someone would go back and do a story on, uh, on the in, an inconvenient truth and just expose the lies up to now, the things that we were told were going to happen uh, if we didn't get away from carbon fuels or carb if we didn't get away from carbon, uh, uh, carbon emissions, if we didn't reduce carbon emissions, the things that were going to happen uh, that, that haven't happened. But anyway, I digress. All right, folks, it's about that time. We're going to be leaving, heading out here soon. But before we do, we're going to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors. Start with Hitman Industries. Find them at hitmanindustries.net. Get your rifle and pistol length barrels today. California Republican Assembly, the conscience of the Republican Party, become a part of California's future today. Join CRA. Hog Holsters. Find them at hogholsters.com. Use discount code RUNDOWN. All caps, no spaces. Get your hog holster today. And finally, veteran owned and operated. Get your outdoor gear, tactical gear from uscombatgear.com. And with that, we're going to call it a day. Tuesday is going to be done. We will be back tomorrow on Hump Day, hanging out with you, having a good time, attempting to begin our weekend. On that note, thank you so very much for tuning in. We appreciate you liking and sharing the program and encouraging your friends to do the same. We will be back tomorrow. See you then.